chapter, Romans chapter 10. And um, we'll look at one verse there, and then we'll go to Romans 1 and look at one verse there and do just a, a little bit of review, and then we'll get into some new stuff. Amen. Amen. Are you blessed? Are you excited about Father and, and His Word? And, and um, you know, Brother Hagan used to say, if you want the Word of God to work in your life, you've got to get excited about it. And there's, you know, your attitude towards the Word has so much to do with what we're able to receive from the Word. And um, it's the law of attraction. And so tonight we're setting our singular focus upon His Word, and we're going to receive some good things from Father tonight. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But I want to point out to you that the word cometh is in italics, which means the translators added it to make this passage more readable. The literal translation of this is, So then faith by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So then faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I have no problem with the cometh. I have no problem with the cometh as long as you understand where faith cometh from when you hear. Faith cometh from inside of you. Faith cometh from from that measure, the measure of faith that Father gave to you, that He created and put in all of humanity so that now when the gospel is preached to people who've never heard the name of Jesus a single time, the faith that's inside of them rises up to reach out and grab hold of that word and be saved. So then faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing Father's word awakens the faith He gave you and put in your heart. The same faith that you need in order to respond to and then act on, follow through on His Word spoken to you. I want you to see that tonight. Now that's really, really important. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But, but the Word that you hear arouses, awakens, brings to the surface in your heart, in your life, the faith that Father has given to you. And that's important because now you're going to need that faith to do whatever He's saying to you. If you're a hearer only and not a doer of the Word, the Bible says you deceive yourself. Faith without a corresponding action remains dormant or unfulfilled in your life. Now let's go back with that background. Let's go back to Romans 1 and 17. So we were at 10 and 17, now 1 and 17. Now I want to point out to you that it's, it's easy to remember these verses because 1 is 10 verse 17, now 1 verse 17, that commonality there. Romans 1 and 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. From faith to faith. Let me, um, I'm going to kind of step off subject for a moment. I say off subject just in a different way maybe to, to help you see this. And it's in a negative way, but... When, when a human being tells a lie, we weren't created to lie. We were created to tell the truth. And so when we tell a lie, amen, um, it's, it's, it's contrary to that for which Father created us. We were created for the truth, amen? We were created for the truth, amen? Now, you may have told some lies in your life, but I guarantee you one thing, you never liked anybody looking you in the eye and lying to you, Right? Well, no, man, we don't like that, right? It's because we weren't designed for it. We weren't created for it. It's, it's, it's contrary um, to our Creator and, and, to, and to the purposes for which He created us, right? But the thing about a lie is when you tell one, the next one is easier to tell. 
Because see, you know, what happens, you, 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 know, you, you feel, well, I've got to tell this lie to cover that lie, and then another lie, and then one lie leads to another lie, to another lie, to another lie, okay? I'm not preaching on lying tonight, I'm just saying. And notice that when you tell one lie to cover another lie, the next lie is usually bigger than the last one. So sometimes you can start with just one little thing, and next thing you know, you don't got this whole mountain built that's all lies. Well, if you can understand that from a negative side, when he's talking about from faith to faith, he's talking about one step of faith positioning you to take yet another step of faith, and, and in the process, you walking in more and more or greater and greater faith um, as, as you progress. Let me give you this passage from the Amplified. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just, as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. So that one phrase from the Amplified, both, both, it's not either or, it's both and, okay? Both springing from faith and leading to faith. Can I just stop for a moment, just amen, to remind you, or if you haven't heard, to tell you one of the most important things you can get on your life agenda is to grow in faith. Amen. Amen. God is a faith God. He doesn't do anything apart from faith. Amen. And that's why He gave you the measure of faith. And so learning how to use faith, learning how to grow in faith, learning how to be strong in faith, learning how to endure in faith, hugely, hugely, hugely important. And this particular passage from faith to faith, and then from the Amplifieds, both springing from and leading to faith, really gives us some important clues into how we can make progress when it comes to our own life and walking in faith. Now, I'm hesitant to do this, but I'm feeling compelled to do it again. And so just real quick, like in Luke the 17th chapter, remember what we have there is 10 lepers who cry out to Jesus from a distance and ask Him to have mercy upon them. Now what is implied in that passage, in that, in that account, but is not specifically stated, is that these ten lepers had heard about Jesus already. In other words, they didn't cry out to random strangers to heal them of their leprosy. That, that would not make sense. So notice that they had heard, I believe they had heard a couple of, I, this, you don't have to believe this, go to heaven. Uh, you'll find out when we get there, I was right though. No, I'm kidding. I believe they had heard, number one, that he had healed other lepers. Number two, I believe that they had heard, sometimes he asked people to do strange things, just don't overthink it. If he tells you to do something, do it. So they cried out to a distance. Now notice, they heard, which aroused faith in their heart which they needed to take that next step. That next step was to cry out to Him for help. Then they heard from Him directly. Go show yourself to the priest. 
Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So now God the Son speaks to them, go show yourself to the priest, which naturally speaking, when I say naturally speaking, notice it, it aroused, awakened something else in them. They're, it's a good thing because they're going to need it to actually follow through and do what he said. The Bible says in the 14th verse, as they went, Jesus, he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus, hey, help, help us, Jesus. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. No healing until they turned to go. As they acted, as they mixed action with the faith that was aroused in their heart by hearing, now they're cleansed of their leprosy, which caused an even greater surge of faith in their hearts. Are you seeing this? Only problem is nine of them, nine of them cashed their ticket. They, they went on to the priest, but one used that new surge of faith to take the boldest step yet. He broke from the pack, disobeyed what Jesus said, and used his faith to go fall at Jesus' feet and worship him. And now we see that that man received a miracle the other nine didn't. His faith made him whole again, completely restored. Why did I go back through that again tonight? I did it quicker than we did it last Wednesday, but I'm trying to show you what it looks like, what a real-life scenario of from faith to faith looks like, what something both springing from faith and leading to faith looks like. They heard faith. They cried action. Jesus spoke more faith. They acted action results. Which more faith, right? The Bible talks about praying for the former rain and the latter rain together at the same time. Now, as is the case with so much in the Scriptures, there's multiple ways and multiple things that God can say to us through that. One, we're about to get to in discipleship class. In the fact that the first work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, the, the, the former reign, the first reign, is the work of salvation. The latter reign is His work of reconciliation or discipleship. But let's not way overthink it. Let's just take it at face value for a moment. Who prays for rain while it's raining? Think about that. Who prays for rain while it's raining? What's the, what's the point? The point's very simple. When God works in our lives, we should give Him thanks. We should be appreciative and we should even celebrate but, but please never lose sight of the fact that what He's doing in you now is positioning you for what He wants to do in you tomorrow. Oh God, please let it rain. Please let it rain. Please let it rain. And it rains. We don't pray for rain anymore. We got what we wanted. You don't understand, man. That's just the first rain. God's got something even better. He wants you to pray for rain, receive rain, and let the, let the faith that comes from receiving rain to, to lead you, to spring forth and lead you to faith for even more rain. Are you following me? Or whatever the rain is in your life that you're looking for. Right? 
from faith to faith. Now, what we're talking about then is this dynamic that exists between the Word of God and faith. The, these two spirit substances, when they are combined together, create a productive force both inside of you but also in your life and in the world around you. This is why the devil has tried so hard to keep you from ever hearing the Word of God, from ever, from ever taking that Word of God into yourself and, and having this reaction take, take place where the Word of God arouses and provides you the ability to take the step which leads to more faith, which springs forth more faith, which leads to more. He's always trying to interrupt that cycle in your life. So there's a tremendous dynamic, again, that exists between the faith, the measure of faith that's inside of you, and the words of God, the word of our Father, amen, that has that, that, that also been given to us. I don't know if this is the right example, but I'm just, I'm all, the first one off the top of my heart. You know, you want to keep the gasoline and the fire separate. Unless it's, you know, unless it's nest, like an engine, you know, internal combustion engine. But you, you follow what I'm saying? When those two come together, explosive things happen. Now, this may be the simplest thing I say tonight, but we can't overlook it because I'm concerned that, that some in the body of Christ have overlooked the simplicity of this and are therefore struggling in the area of faith because they have, they have um, what's the right word? They've ignored the little fox. That would be the Old Testament example. In other words, they've, they've forgotten the fundamentals. That might be another way of saying it. And so here's the statement. There must be a basis for faith. There must be a basis for faith. And what, and what I mean by that simple statement is there's no such thing as blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ today who, who um, you know, they, they say, we're just going to take a step of blind faith. Please don't! You could die. It's no such thing. Not, not true faith. Not genuine faith. It's not blind. It sees what your physical eyes can't, but true, genuine faith sees with the eyes of the Spirit and the light of God's Word. Amen. So when we say there must be a basis for faith, you know, we, we hear people all the time you know, talk about what they're believing. Brother Keith Moore just preached a message on this, and it, I'm telling you, I... We're going to figure out a way. I, um, 
We're, we're going to put uh, on the new website, I, I want to get a guest sermon on that website. And boy, this would be a good one to put on there from Brother Keith Moore. But when you know, we just go around talking about, I'm believing God, I'm believing God, well, are we really? Are we really? So our faith is based upon a few related and fundamental things. If there must be a basis for faith, what is the basis for ours? I know, I know this may sound a, a, a little odd, but let me... There's a, there's a natural function of faith. In other words, if, if this is too simple for you, then it's okay. Just... Pray for the rest of us, all right? But, but hear me, please. God created every human being with the ability to believe. We take that for granted because it's just a natural part of our lives. You believe that chair would hold you up, and you acted on that belief when you sat down in it. And I'm a big guy. I've said in a few that I've been questionable about over the years. So when we talk about faith, we're, we're, we're not just talking about your ability to believe. Certainly believing is important. But what distinguishes just generic belief, see, fear is generic belief. You're afraid of a snake because you believe the snake can hurt you. So the difference between generic belief and genuine faith is faith is your ability to believe God. To believe God. So our faith is based upon a few related and fundamental things. And part of the title of this sermon, at least in my notes, I don't know what it will be titled you know, by the time it drops tomorrow or, or later tonight on, on the internet. But is faith basics. And so there must be a basis for faith. That, that is kind of faith... I don't know if that's faith 101. That might be faith 099. So our faith is based upon a few related and fundamental things. Number one, our faith is based upon who God is. Please don't let the simplicity of this lull you to sleep tonight. Our faith is based upon who God is. Our faith is ultimately in the person of God. As opposed to a concept, a principle, a method, a formula, a process, or a system. Now, I make no apologies for it. I think the greatest doctrine the body of Christ has ever ascribed to is the Word of Faith doctrine. We are a non-denominational church, but there's no really such thing, I guess, as a Word of Faith denomination. But I am unashamedly a Word of Faith pastor, preacher. Um, this is the Word of Faith which we preach. I mean, that's the, that's what, I'm quoting the Bible to you now, okay? It's the best message. It's a message of deliverance. It's a message of empowerment. It's a message of, of ability. It's, it's my God. Amen. 
Why would anybody ever want to preach anything else? Okay? But what has happened in some places, the Word of Faith movement, is we've gotten away from the basis for our faith is God. And instead, we've tried to reduce faith to some formula, to some set of principles, to some system that we can work or some process. There is a process to it. Don't misunderstand me. Certainly, we could look at what we said tonight about faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Those ten lepers heard. They cried out in action. Again, we can, we can look at it and examine it that way, but what if we try to reduce that to a process, we're leaving the human element out of it. In other words, they had a choice. When Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, they could have looked at their hands and said, I knew that was ridiculous. We should have never... One more disappointment. One more religious man to kick us while we're down. Who does he think he is? Go show yourself to the priest. You realize they could have been offended at that? When someone believed they were cleansed of leprosy, they went and showed themselves to the priest to get a clean bill of health. While they still have leprosy, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. I mean, they could have taken it like him saying, who's your daddy, you know? See, we... we we, we try to reduce this down to something we can control. We, we try to make this some process. You, you remember the, um, Jesus fed all them folks in John the 6th chapter? Man, they, I bet, I, I just am almost positive. Can't prove it in Scripture, but I'm almost, I'm almost positive. There were thousands of people that had never had that much food in one sitting in their entire lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, they, they, to just eat fish and bread until you couldn't eat any more, and then they picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. You, you see what I'm saying? Right. So the next morning, they were ready for breakfast. Couldn't find Jesus anywhere. Rode across to find Him. Jesus said, you're not here because you want what I really came to give you. You just want me to feed you again. They wanted what he could do for them, but they didn't want him. That's why that one dude that broke from the pack and fell at Jesus' feet, Jesus asked before he laid his hands on that man, he said, where are the other nine? In other words, he, he fully expected all of them to come, but only one of them did. Only one of them did. Are you, are you seeing this? So they, they rode the cross. They wanted Jesus to feed them again. They wanted what He could do for them. They didn't want Him. And Jesus knew it. He knew what was in them. And, but He's still trying to love them. He's trying to help them. And so I'm paraphrasing now. It's like, okay, well, if, if you won't feed us, teach us how to do it. Teach us how to work the works of God, and then we won't have to have food with you at all. We're just going to do it ourselves. And Jesus said, what? Your work is to believe on Him whom God has sent. 
But notice what they're saying here. They're trying to reduce it to a formula that leaves God out of it. There's something they can control, something that they can do anytime. That's, that's not God, that's not faith, that's not, that's not the kind of relationship that He desires to have with you. Our faith is ultimately in a person. Now, we may not like that answer when it comes to God because, you know, we, we don't know what to do with that. We, we don't know how uh, to get to know Him better. But if, if you translate it over into people that you know and love and trust, I hope you've got somebody in your life, man, if... if if, if they tell you something, you know it's there. It's, it, see, that's faith. That's, but see, you, you, can't, you can't get there without knowing God. Our faith is in the person of God. You have to know someone to truly trust them. And I got good news for you. Jesus has invited you and me to come alongside, take a yoke, come alongside him. And he said, learn of me. Learn of me. See, we, we want to we try to grow in our knowledge of God's principles and, 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 and his wisdom. And thank God for all of that. But you know, how, how is that, you know, what kind of results is that producing in your life? Because, again, true faith is not just in the principle, the process, the formula. It's in who He is. Amen? That's number one. Number two is related to it, but it bears mentioning here, and that is number two, our faith is based upon what God is capable of doing. What God is capable of doing. Now, if you're wondering what I mean by that, exactly what I'm saying. Nothing is impossible for him. He dwells in unapproachable light. He, he speaks galaxies out of his mouth. When David was about to go fight Goliath, Every other person in the Israeli army made the same mistake. Every one of them made the same mistake with the exception of David. David wasn't even in the army. He just came to bring them some cheese and see what was going on. But every single one of those men, including King Saul himself, the leader, every one of those men in that army made the mistake of comparing themselves to Goliath. When David walked up, he had a completely different perspective. He did not compare himself to Goliath. He compared Goliath to God. Amen. David looked really, really small compared to Goliath, but Goliath looked even smaller when he was compared to the greatness of God. Do you see the difference there? Our faith is based upon a few related and fundamental things. Number one, who God is. And number two, what He has the ability to do, what He's capable of doing. Number three, number three, our faith is based upon 
what He has already done for us. What He has already done for us. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? What He has already done for us. So let me, let me walk you back through the first three. First of all, who He is. Our faith ultimately, ultimately, our faith is in who God is. And when I say who He is, let's not forget He is love. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, I, we, could, we could spend the rest of this year on a teaching series on who He is. I, I'm just talking about His love for you, His nature, His character. He's a giver. He's a liberal, generous giver. I mean, we just go on and on and on. But I'm, I'm talking about who He is. We talked about, I hope you've got some folks in your life that they tell you something, you can take it to the bank. You, you can, but you probably also have people in your life you know, and man, they talk a big talk, but they never come through. Never, right? Okay. So I'm just talking about the, we would say, it, you know, I know what kind of person he is. I know what kind of person she is. Do you know what kind of person God is? He's the best man. We, we say of somebody, you ever use this expression, man, he's a stand-up guy. Well, we have a stand-up God. Who he is ultimately is where, that all, where it all relies. But then we've got his ability, what he's capable of doing. And that's, again, astounding but if we, just, if we just set that aside, I mean, for the purpose of, you can't even wrap your mind around it, then how about just starting with what He's already done for you? If what He's capable of doing is too much for you right now, how about let's just, let's just who He is and what He's done for you? I said a few related and fundamental things, so I got one more for you who he is, what he's able to do, what he's already done. But the fourth one, and this is going to hopefully connect some things together for you, what he has spoken to you about these first three. Are you following me? Does the Word of God contain some things that God has said about himself. In other words, has he communicated some things about who he is to you in this word? Yeah. Guess what? Faith by hearing and hearing by these things. Does this word contain some things about what he's capable of doing? Yeah. Yeah. And the half hadn't been told yet, but yes. But you realize, especially when you get to the New Testament, the overwhelming majority of the New Testament is focused on what He's already done for you. So when the Bible says faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, when you hear the Word of God, you're hearing about who He is. You're hearing about what He's able to do. And you're hearing about what He's already done for you. Take it one step forward. One more step. Okay, one step further. You ready? Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. Now, 
Again, that's kind of bizarre. How can a book become a man, right? Well, he didn't say the book became flesh. He said the Word of God. Remember, the Word of God is living. It's powerful. It's the only book you'll ever read that will read you back. Jesus is a living, breathing example of how God thinks. The Word made flesh. The Word made flesh. So because His words are living and powerful, when, and, the, and they're living and powerful, but remember, they're also life-giving. So you can take the measure of faith inside a man who is spiritually dead and he hears the Word of God. The entrance of His Word gives light. The entrance of His Word breathes to life, brings to life the very faith that that man needs to call upon Jesus and pass from death to life. Is that making sense? Let me give you... Let me give you a few verses, okay? First of all, Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Remember, Abraham is our example of faith. We're to follow in his footsteps of faith. He's the father of all who believe. And it says of him, He did not waver at the promise of God. King James Version says, Stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, comma, giving glory to God, comma, and being fully convinced, King James says fully persuaded, that what God had promised, He was also able to perform. Now, I wanted to read that passage to you because notice now, Abraham didn't just have faith in God's ability, but in the person of God. The promised part was where, are you understanding? In other words, anybody can promise you anything. That don't mean they have the ability to make good on it. People, I'm sure, I'd, I, it would happen to me in the cabinet business. You know, I tell people we're going to have a job finished by such and such a date. Then all of a sudden there's some truck breakdown. The materials didn't get to the shop. Somebody, death in the family. What, and those things happen. You, in other words, you, when you told them you were going to do it that way, you fully meant to, but, but stuff happened. You know, you know what I'm saying? Stuff comes up and what happened. So sometimes people can tell you, that, man, this is what we're going to do, and then it just not work out. And they really meant it when they said it. Sometimes people just tell you what you want to hear. With, with Abraham, he was convinced that God was telling the truth, that he was a man of integrity, or a God of integrity, we should say. But he also had the ability to do what he said. If you back up in chapter 4, verse 17, 
As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So notice again, Abraham learned some things about the person of God, that God um, was a being, a person, if you will, that um, not a human being, but a being that uh, had the ability to call things that do not exist as though they did and give life to the dead. We serve a God who can give life to the dead. How about this one? Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Think son of Adam, okay? Not a son of Adam that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Now, I said a moment ago, there must be a basis for faith. We know this instinctively. We, we, um, I'm trying to show it to you in the natural because the natural is a type of the spiritual. Remember, the earthly tabernacle that God instructed Moses, it, it was fashioned after the eternal one in heaven. It's, it, was a, it was a physical copy of a heavenly original, a temporal copy of an eternal original, okay? And so I'm not, when we talk about these things in the context of like belief and just natural belief and things of that nature, they're, they're extensions of like, people get confused on, they believe in evolution, and I don't mean adaptation and that type of evolution. I'm talking about, like, lightning struck a mud puddle, and it formed condensation, and a bacteria became a tadpole, and all that stuff. Okay, no, that's that kind of evolution. But, but the, amen, I'm getting too excited. Let me, let me try to stay focused here. The, the point being similarities among different animals that, that, doesn't, that doesn't just mean that this one became that one it just means that God has a certain way of doing things a brain right I mean animals have brains God creates them with brains computer control center right you follow what I'm saying so when we, when we talk about things in the natural I'm not trying to cheapen, I'm just I'm trying to bridge a gap for you. Because hopefully, you know, Jesus would tell a parable, a comparable, a comparable, so that we could take the step into the deeper part of it being the spiritual. So let me go back to it again. When we say that faith needs a basis, when somebody gives you their word on something or when somebody you know, especially if it's some outlandish claim or what have you, we may even use the word based on what? In other words, we, we want some assurance from that person that they can follow through on what they just said. You, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, this idea that 
First of all, this idea that genuine spiritual faith just dangles out there with no basis, not only is that not right or untrue, physical, natural faith or belief doesn't dangle out there without some basis. If, some, if someone makes a claim to us, now where we have to be really careful, all right, I'm landing this plane, just hear me. Where we have to be really careful is when we want to believe something. But see, even when we want to believe something, we still want a basis for it. Am I right about this? Where you've got to really be careful there, where you, and I, this is for somebody, the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my heart. Where you really got to be careful there is even, even you know, when you're wanting to believe something, you're looking for a basis for it, you can be blinded. Two, two key areas, relationships, especially romantic ones, and things pertaining to money, especially get rich quick, right? We still want a basis. We still want it, but, but we start filtering that thing through our desires really quick. And how many times after the fact have we looked back on it and the Lord was trying to show us, other people were trying to show us, we still wanted a basis for it, but we were highly selective in what we looked at and considered, yes? Why am I telling you all this? I'm just trying to show you faith... Is, is, is looking for something to be rooted and based upon. And it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God because the Word of God communicates to you and me who He is, what He's capable of doing, and what He's already done. Amen? All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Lord, for just your presence during our time of worship. And Father, we believe that you did things in people's lives that they may not even have realized that you did while we were just standing there. Lord, I thank you tonight for uh, just refreshing from your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, tonight for answers. Lord, for folks that are looking for direction pertaining to specific situations in their lives, I just ask you, Father, tonight that you would just drop it in their spirit. Drop the answer in their spirit. And we just, uh, we just thank you, Lord, for just each life and family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can I give the Lord glory just for one minute before you, before you move? Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but obviously the lighting is different in here. I hope you like it. It's more, it's more pleasing. It's, hopefully it's, you know, anyway. We, um, we were short four lights and FedEx was supposed to deliver them. I'm not slamming FedEx, but they were supposed to deliver them yesterday before 5. Well, we stayed till 6, 30, 7 o'clock last night, and then Rick was here in healing service, and Jason, you know, was looking out for them. Um, didn't bring them, so, well, okay, man, because we've got to get the lift back tomorrow, so we've got to get them up, right? And so um, Jason was here early working on the website, and, and so I was involved down at the foundry. I said, hey, Jason, you're going to bring those lights, so he unlocked the doors. Well, Jason's sitting right here. They stuck the tag on the front door, 901, you know, supposed to deliver them at 9. And I'm like, Father, you're going to have to help me here. So I, was, I felt, see, my first response was get irritated at FedEx. Man, you know, they didn't even try the door. They didn't even pull on the door. Door's unlocked, right? No, I'm not going to do that, right? Get myself straight. Just started praying in the Holy Ghost. Found them on Wickstead Drive. Holy Spirit took me, took me to him. 
y'all don't know, some of you know if you're in Hewtown, you know where Wickstead is. It's a cut through road, cuts through from high school road over to Allison Bonnet. And um, Holy Spirit knew right where he was. Took me right to him. Amen. Took me right to him. So good things. Father, we love you. Thank you for good things in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We love you. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. Love somebody in Jesus.